to have the answers to trust you through the night. I'll rest here in knowing that I may never know. So I'm holding on to faith. I'm holding on to hope.
we acknowledge that you are the way when there seems to be no way. And when we can't see what you're doing, God, we still have hope that you are good. And you will never fail us because you, God, are good. God, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Anastasia Church family. We are so excited that you are joining us today for worship. If this is your first time or you've been coming um, just recently, I want to say a special welcome to you. Thank you for joining us. We have a special gift for you out in the atrium at the welcome desk. So stop on by there, grab that gift, and um, meet someone, say hello. You can also text the number 904-441-6900 and text the word CONNECT. That will pull up our digital connect card. And that's if you're new, you've been coming for a while, or you've been here all your life, you can use that digital connect card um, to let us know any prayer requests you have. If you're visiting where you're visiting from, it's a great way to reach out to our pastors and our ministry staff here at Anastasia. You can also use that same number, 904-441-6900, and text the word NEWS, and that will pull up our digital bulletin. We have a lot of exciting things happening at church in the next week, so you're going to want to pay attention or text that number and text the word NEWS. First things, this Wednesday is our big fall kickoff, so if you have kids, sign them up for Kids Praise. They do not want to miss it. That's kicking off this Wednesday. If um, you want to be a part of a Bible study, we have women's and men's Bible studies kicking off on Wednesday. And our youth is doing a 90s party Wednesday night to kick off the fall semester. So we have something for everyone happening this week. Get involved. Um, You do not want to miss out. If you are a married couple, we have a very special Table for Two event happening. It's the first time we are doing this. On September 22nd, you will need to register online, and we do have limited child care, so go ahead and register online for that event. Table for two, it's going to be a great night of encouragement and just lifting you up in your marriage and helping strengthen that relationship. And then next week, on Saturday, we have a very special missions tour that is happening. If you have not registered yet, reach out to Heather Carlton. Get signed up for that missions tour. You don't want to miss it. We're going to see the um, mission partnerships that we have here in town, how we are as Anastasia Church, the hands and feet in our community, and how we can better help and support. And then that Sunday morning, we're going to have a very special guest. One of our our missions partners will be here Sunday morning. And after church, we are doing a packing party. So we are going to be the hands and feet and get to send out so many goods to people in our community and be a help to them. You do not want to miss all that's going on this week. With that, Lewis Fisher. Thank you, Julie. Good morning, church. I'll tell you what, it's good to see so many of you in the house of the Lord here this morning. I'm excited to share some update and some good news regarding our Four Generations to Come Faith campaign and to provide you with some insight and what you're going to begin to start seeing here on the island campus starting next month. So the first thing you're going to see is if you happen to park in the east parking lot, by next Sunday, you're going to see the actual markings of where the corners of the two buildings will actually go. 
You'll also have some ribbons around the trees that will have to be removed. There's only about five clusters of trees that are going to actually have to be removed during the construction of the Family Center and the Activity Center. Second thing is, in September, is we're going to actually have a groundbreaking ceremony. On a Sunday, we don't know exactly which Sunday. We think it's going to be the 22nd. We're not certain, but it'll happen right after the 1030 service. We'll go out here. We'll pray, we'll cut the ribbon, and we'll have a photo op for our, our groundbreaking ceremony. And then shortly after that, we'll start the construction phase, and that'll begin with the demolition of the annex. So church, thank you for your faithfulness. We just look forward to what God will continue to do in fulfilling his vision here and for, for generations to come. Pray, pray with me now with you. Father God, we just stand amazed at your faithfulness to us, your great love but nothing more than your sacrifice on the cross. Lord, we just um, thank you for what you're doing here in the body of Christ, Lord. We just ask that you would continue to help us with our faith, Lord, grow our faith as we continue to draw nearer to you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all your blessings. In Christ's name we ask, amen. Hey guys, Rachel Cruz here. Can you imagine having no debt? That means no car payments, no student loans, no credit card bills, no payments. Hard to imagine, isn't it? We live in a culture where debt is considered normal. 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. That means eight out of 10 people heard the same thing you did. You can't survive without debt. Everyone knows that. Except it probably sounded more like, oh, you can't live without a car payments. You have to have a credit card. You can't go to college without student loans. So what'd you do? Well, you got a loan for your car. You have not just one, not two, but three credit cards, and you'll be paying for college into retirement. And now, before you know it, debt starts to weigh you down. You see, Proverbs 22, seven is true. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. When you owe someone else your paycheck, the money comes in and goes right back out and you don't have anything left to pay yourself or to bless others. And this isn't the life God wants for you, but we have a step-by-step -step plan that can help. It's called Financial Peace University and it has helped over five million people learn God's ways of handling money. And you can get out of debt, save, invest, and make giving a part of your daily life. And with Financial Peace University, you can start today. Good morning, church. Good to see you in the house. Uh, Financial Peace is one of those uh, Wednesday night ministries that are going to be gearing up here real soon. And you're going to hear a little bit more about that later on in the service. But hey, I want to welcome you here to Anastasia this morning. We're so glad that you chose to worship with us this morning. And we are in week two of our new series called 517. And I'm excited as we look at 517, it's, it's about what God has done, what he's doing, and what he's going to continue to do as we look through scripture, looking at his promises, looking at his faithfulness. And so it's based off uh, the scripture, John 517, which says, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. And so Jesus is making mention that his father is at work. And alongside him in working and doing amazing things and working things out for his glory and his kingdom is Jesus is right alongside of him. How many of y'all believe that God is at work? Come on. How many of y'all believe that God is at work? 
How many of you are thankful that God is continually doing a work in your life, right? He's making you more into his image and uh, working uh, for his purpose and his glory in your life. You know, I, I love this idea that God is still on the move. He is still working. And, you know, speaking of God at work, last weekend at church, we had a big weekend. It was promotion weekend. And so our kids and our youth were moving up to the next grade level as they entered to it at, at schools. And last weekend, between our youth and our kids, listen to this, we had over 300 kids in youth and church last weekend. Isn't that incredible? Man, we are so excited uh, for our next generation that we get to pour into them and love on them. And just if you, uh, if you have not plugged in your kids or if you're youth and you're not plugged into our youth ministry, Boy, the opportunity is here, and I just encourage you to do so. But I just want to say God is moving, and he's at work in our church, and we're excited about what he's doing. Well, hey, last week, Walter talked about this idea uh, as we started a new series as God the creator, right? And we looked back as God has made and created all things around us, but he's also doing a work in us, right? He's not done creating, and he's creating a new identity in us, and he's putting purpose in our life. And it was just this powerful reminder that God is at work in our lives, but this week, I want to focus on God as a giver of hope, right? God throughout Scripture, throughout time, is our source of hope in our time of need. If you've ever been in that place where you're, you're desperate and you need hope and, and, and you turn to God, we know that God is our source of our hope. And we see that throughout Scripture. And I, I heard a story that kind of illustrates that a little bit the other day. And it was about three little boys who were sitting under a night sky, and they are just sitting under the stars admiring all that God had created. And they were thinking about how small they were before God's creation as they're looking at the stars. And, and one of the boys, as they were sitting there thinking about how big God was and all that he had created and all that he had made, they were sitting there and one of the boys voiced what all three of them were thinking. What do you think God is working on right now? <laughs> I mean, he's made all, this, all the universe and all the sky before us. What do you think God's working on right now? And they sat there for a little minute, and then one of the boys chuckled and chimed in, I bet God's working on right now trying to remember why he made mosquitoes. <laughs> and they all laughed and thought about that. And then uh, the second boy came, and he said, you know, after thinking some time, he said, you know, I bet God's thinking about how he can add another day to the week, because I always hear my mom saying there's not enough time in the week, right? And they all thought and laughed there, and there was another moment there, and Finally, the, the, the first boy who asked the question, he says, I know what God's doing right now. He's working on our hearts right now. And I think it's a reminder that God is at work in our midst. And the place that he is working and looking to make a difference most in is our lives. And one of the ways I think that God is working hardest is to instill and to remind us of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And, and so this morning, I, I want to focus on that, you know, God is a giver of hope, and he has been the source of hope since the beginning of time, and he's going to continue to be our source of hope to the end of time, right, until he calls us home to be with him. But, you know, since the fall of man, God has been at work to give humanity hope. I mean, God's plan was not to leave us hopeless in a, in a hopeless and helpless state, but God's plan was to give us hope through his son, Jesus. And maybe the scripture that highlights best God's plan throughout the ages is Romans 5. And we're going to be looking at Romans 5 here in just a minute. And uh, it, it talks about how it connects, you know, really the beginning and the fall of man all the way to the hope of man, which is in Christ Jesus. And so we see a connection piece. If you were to go back through scriptures and go back to Genesis 3, you can read the story of the fall of man. But I think Romans 5 really does a good job 
on highlighting and connecting the dots between the fall of man and the hope of man in Christ Jesus. So we're going to be reading in Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12. If you have your Bibles this morning or if you want to look on the screens, I invite you to stand as we read uh, God's word this morning. It says this, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, and even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, listen to this, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result that one man sins, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 18, therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, listen to this, Grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. Romans 5 makes reference to Genesis 3, which tells us of the fall of man, right? The first ever man and woman created in God's image and created to live in relationship with God allowed temptation to creep in and to take hold, right? thus choosing to pursue selfishly the things that God told them would not satisfy. Tempted by the evil one and enticed by the fruit of sins, they were left with the consequence of sin, feeling empty, broken, lost, and naked. But God tells us that although hopelessness creeped into humanity through sin, because of God's compassion for humanity, he did not want to leave us in a hopeless and helpless state. Romans 5 reminds us that the deepest sin and brokenness Through the deepest sin and brokenness, God has enough grace for humanity to bring us hope through the one man, Jesus Christ. This morning, what I believe God is working on in the world today is he is working to reinstate and restore and to remind us of the hope that we have in Jesus. Because sometimes in the world that we live in, in the brokenness of the world, we need to be reminded that we have hope for today and for tomorrow. Hope for forgiveness of sins. Hope for a restored relationship with God. Hope for healing. And here's what I know. God has enough grace to bring you hope because despite what you're going through in your life, God loves you and he cares for you and he desires to be in relationship. If if you're taking notes this morning, how, how do I know that God is a giver of hope and he can give us hope today? Here's the first thing you can write down. This one's This is a freebie. There's no wrong answer, okay? You can write this down. His righteousness is greater than our blank. I left that one blank because here's the awesome thing. You can write anything in that blank and it's going to be right, right? Anybody take those tests when they were a kid and the teacher would give you a freebie? You could write any answer you want, right? What's your favorite color? And you get a point. This is one of those, okay? You can write anything in there, right? Brokenness, sin, hurt, uh, unforgiveness, loss or pain. I want you to know God's righteousness is greater than all those things. 
God's power, God's sovereignty, God's forgiveness and righteousness is the character of God. It's the goodness of God. Because of who he is, is what the scripture is saying, because his constant love and compassion for us, his righteousness is greater. In the acts of grace that he shows us, we don't have to ask the question, is God loving enough to forgive me? Is God big enough to forgive my sins and to help me? God is. His righteousness is greater. His righteousness is greater than our brokenness. His righteousness is greater than our sinfulness. His righteousness is greater than our fear. His righteousness is greater than the hurt that I can carry in my life. Can I get amen in the house, right? God's righteousness is greater. And this is what the scripture is saying. We can have hope because God's righteousness is greater. I love in the scriptures that the writer in Romans mentions that God's righteousness is greater than the mistakes and the trials of life two times, right? Multiple times. Verse 17, and I love this one, right? He says, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Listen to this. You ready? Much more. Nudge somebody next to you and just say much more. Just make sure they're awake, okay? Much more, listen to this, will those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Man, I I don't know about you, but I'm glad it says much more. God's grace and his righteousness is much more than my brokenness. His love for me, his compassion for me is greater. Because there are a lot of days that I need a lot of compassion, right? I need a lot of forgiveness. I need a lot of love. Verse 19, he says it again, therefore as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so the one act of righteousness leads to the justification in life for all men. His righteousness is greater. Sometimes our hopelessness in the life is because we have a limited view of who God is and what he can do. This scripture reminds that our God is able. He is strong, he is powerful, and he's able to come overcome the brokenness in our life. Know that our God is righteous, he is perfect, Scriptures say he is slow to anger. He is rich in love and has compassion on all he has made. When I think about God's ability to help us overcome the obstacles in life, that his righteousness is greater than anything we face, I I think about a a young lady I met when I was working a a summer camp. I used to, during my college years, I worked at a camp called Fuge Camps. And uh, one of my responsibilities at camp is, was I was take ninth and 10th grade uh, boys and girls and lead them through uh, recreation, like team building activities. And so I'd take them out on this hot field in Mississippi, and, and we would do things to work together, and I would challenge them, and they'd have to, uh, you know, work alongside each other. And then I would, I would share with them truths of, of the gospel with them. And my very first week at camp, I got ninth and 10th grade, and I'm looking through my list, and, and I, I, I read this one girl's name. Her name was Haley. And, and Haley, uh, her story, because of some illnesses that she had and, and some uh, disabilities she had, she was confined to a wheelchair. And, and I remember thinking about how hard it was going to be to have this conversation. That as we're out on the rec field going and doing all these team building activities, a lot of them were very physical and demanding. And, and, and I was going to have to have this conversation that there were going to be some things that she couldn't participate in that week. And I was praying about that conversation. My heart was broken. And I, I was just dreading that conversation. And, and I Got to meet Haley for the first time, and I was praying up, and as soon as I met, met Haley, she, she just lit up with a bright smile. And, and I got to meet this, this wonderful girl who wasn't defined uh, by her disability. She was defined by the love and grace that God had for her. 
And she told me, she said, Sam, I know that this week, as we're doing a lot of games of rec, I know there's going to be a lot of things I can't participate in. But as I was praying, I felt God called me to be an encourager to the other kids that were there that week. And so every day of camp, she is out there in, in, in her electric wheelchair zooming down the field back and forth and screaming and encouraging and loving and high-fiving all these kids that are coming on the field. And she was loving them. And she did not let her disabilities define who she was because she knew that she was a child of God. And as a child of God, she wasn't hopeless. In fact, she was hopeful because she knew Jesus but that was a reminder of, to me of the righteous, amazing, powerful God that we serve. It doesn't matter what we're going through in life. He's able to overcome through us. His righteousness is greater. And we need to be reminded of that each and every day. I can have hope because his righteousness is greater. Second thing you can write down, God has enough grace to give you hope because he holds the keys to our justification. Going back to our passage, he says, Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification. You know, justification is our freedom in Christ. It's God's ability to remove the debt of our sin and to make us free from its consequences. It's, uh, you know, when we talk about who has the ability to make us free from the penalty of sin and judgment, only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. It's, it's not only when we receive Christ's righteousness, we, we are set free from our sins, but when we receive Christ's righteousness, an exchange happens. It's an unfair exchange, right? We receive Christ's righteousness in exchange for our brokenness and our sin. Christ took that on on our behalf. And he makes it that, you've heard this saying, justification is justify had not sinned, right? He takes away our sin and he forgives it. And when he gives us his righteousness as covering, this is forgiveness at the deepest level. Not that we deserved it, not that we earned it, but Jesus freely has given it to us. One of my, my favorite writers uh, wrote this. He says, forgiveness offered, especially when it so undeserves, cuts the chains of the human heart that no other in any universe anywhere can rattle, much less break. Love did what hatred could not and will ever be able to do. Jesus' love for us broke the bondage and the chains of sin in our life. That's justification. He gives us his righteousness in exchange for our sin. Think about that. Only Jesus can do that. And the reason that we can have hope, the reason we can have hope is because God's grace is greater. Because his mercy for us was abundant and rich. Not only can Jesus break us free from the bondage of sin and the brokenness, he desires and wants to set us free in our life. You know, many of you this morning, you maybe came to church and boy, you're carrying a heavy load. The bondage of brokenness, maybe it's hurt, maybe it's loss, maybe it's a sin that you're battling in your life, boy, it is heavy and it weighs you down week to week. Can I remind you of what John 8.36 says? So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. As you came in here this morning, Jesus wants you to set you free from the bondage of sin that you're carrying. I recently took my daughter on a backpacking trip. It was her first ever backpacking trip. 
And as taking her on a backpacking trip, I had to carry everything, right? I had two sleeping bags, two air mattresses. I had all the food plus some additional snacks that she felt were necessary. A tent. I had, you know, a, a stove. I had hot chocolate. I had everything. I had this big, giant green backpack, and I was carrying everything, and I gave her this little bitty pink backpack to carry just so she would know what it is, and I, I had like her stuffed animal and a blanket and toys in it, and you know, we're going along. It's about a four-mile hike, and about halfway through the hike, she says, Dad, I can't carry my backpack anymore. <laughs> so here I am with this big green backpack with everything else on it, and then this little pink backpack attached to the green backpack, and I'm carrying it up this hill on this mountain, and you know, I just pushed through. And I got all the way there to our campsite, and it was like uphill, and, and when I finally took off that backpack, can I tell you, I felt like I could run a million miles, right? <laughs> After I took off that backpack, I realized how heavy it was, and I just kept carrying it, and then when I took it off, my legs felt like I was weightless. You know, I, I think many of us in here right now, we don't realize the weight of our sin and the weight of our brokenness, but I, but I guarantee you, if you would accept Jesus' invitation that he said that he would, in fact, carry our burdens if you were to lay it down before him. You would know the weight of sin that you've been carrying in your life. And you would find freedom in Christ Jesus. What you're carrying, God didn't intend for you to carry. He knew that you couldn't, so he went to the cross and he bore it for you. This morning, there's an invitation for you to lay that down at the feet of Jesus. I pray that you'll do that. His desire for you is to lay down your burdens so that you can reign in life. And that's the third point. His desire for us is to reign in life. I love what uh, a passage of scripture says that righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. God's desire for us is to reign in life. You know, that, that phrase there means that we are to live as sons and daughters of the king. That we are to live as Christ's children, living with confidence and hope, knowing that the God we serve is the one who is the God of hope and mercy and love and compassion. In fact, that he is the author and the finisher of our story of redemption. He wants us to reign in life as sons and daughters, and we are therefore ambassadors for Christ Jesus, carrying forward the redemption and the message of hope. You know, our role as ambassadors in, in reigning in life is to carry hope to the world around us. That's God's desire for us, is that we would carry the message of hope. You know, uh, one of my favorite passages, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and your salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when we, you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Verse 7, don't, don't miss this. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will share in our comfort. You know, I think as a church, as a staff, we want you to know that our hope for you is unshaken. Our hope for you is unshaken. And the reason why our hope for you is unshaken is because we serve an unshakable God. He is the same yesterday uh, as he is today and will be for tomorrow. We serve an incredible God. But we believe, we believe that our hope for you is unshaken, that our hope in God is unshaken. And, you know, I, I believe that God wants each and every one of us to share that hope with others. 
But saying this is not enough, right? You need your church family to walk alongside of you in your pursuit of hope. And this morning, I want to take a minute to introduce you to a few ministry leaders who are committing to walk alongside you in your journey towards hope. Because God has called us to to be that vessel of hope for others. So I want to introduce you to a few people this morning. Uh, First off, I want to introduce you to Chris this morning. And Chris, I'll have you step right here and I'll give you this mic here. But Chris, I, I know that you lead a special ministry here, our financial peace ministry. And I, I just want you to tell, what, what kind of hope do you hope to give our, our church here, the church family through financial peace? Yes, thank you, Sam. And that's been quite an honor. I thank you so much for your support for this program. Uh, I helped facilitate a program called Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. We've been doing it here at the Anastasia Baptist Island campus now for about four years. A little bit of a hiccup with the COVID situation, but now getting back to the campus. And it's a nine-week program that helps both individuals and couples to be able to reach a common ground for being good stewards with God's money. It's a uh, nine-week course. And what's ironic is most relationships opposites attract. There's a free will, a free-spirited person, and the math nerd. There's the saver and the spender. And a lot of conflict arises out of this and the ability to be able to communicate and find a common ground, to be good stewards with God's money, to live like no one else now, to make some of those sacrifices so that later in life they can live and give like no one else, and to have peace at home. And that peace transcends in their lives out to others who are desperately in need and gives people the ability to come alongside other folks and help them out. And would love to have you come along. Please see me outside in the atrium and I can fill you in with some more information. Amen. Thank you, Chris. I want to introduce you to Shelly Raymond. And Shelly is going to be starting, help lead a very brand new ministry called Regeneration that we're really excited about. But Shelly, can you just tell me a little bit on what you hope to share and give hope for those in our church family? Absolutely. Thank you, Sam, for that dream of starting this group. Regeneration, recovery, is regeneration is a big word. It's what I experienced when I believed in Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I became a new person in Jesus Christ, and he infused me with his spirit. And now I have two um, beings in me. I have my old man, and I have my new man. But as we grow up, we experience pain, um, feelings of not being good enough, uh, feelings of abandonment, betrayal, Uh, When my caregiver, right, the person who's supposed to protect me actually hurts me, how confusing is that? Feeling not good enough or feeling too much, I reach for a solution. Sometimes I reach for drugs. Sometimes I reach for alcohol. And in that moment, I feel relief from the physical pain, the pain in my gut, the pressure on my chest, the heaviness on my shoulders, the choking in my throat. For, for a moment, I experience relief. Or I might reach not only for those things, right, but I might reach for spending money because I feel better when I spend money. Or I might reach for sex or pornography. Or if I'm six and I'm bullied at school, I feel sad. And so when I come home, I say, Mommy, can I have a snack? And food begins to comfort me. And so these things are all have a consequence. And over time, it builds more pain inside of me. And so I decide that I've got myself into this, so I'm going to isolate and fix it for myself. But what I don't realize is that in my isolation and aloneness, I cause more pain. So what if, and these are all old man solutions, but what if in the new man, there was another way? 
that in a supportive group, surrounded by people who were broken with me, I experienced the ability to make a choice to be different. Instead of upholding my image, what if I chose to bring my pain into the light and let God begin to heal me? So this sounds kind of um, like big, but this is really what happens in a group experience. So I experienced that for myself when I brought something that I had had a lot of shame over for 28 years, the pain of that into the light. And that's where my healing journey began. So I believe in the power of group or I wouldn't be standing here today. So if God calls you to be a leader, we want you to come approach me at the table. If God calls you for your own beginning recovery of hope, or if you just, if God doesn't call you to any of those things, I just pray that you pray for this group, for this ministry, because here's the thing, prayer changes things. Excellent. Amen. Thank you, Shelly. We're really excited about this new ministry, and we all need Christ's healing in our life. Amen. Amen. I'm going to introduce you to Leslie Hunt, as you know, and she's, she's got a very special ministry that we're getting also to launch for the very first time. So I'll let Leslie tell a little bit about that. Good morning. Our Journey of Hope Cancer Care Ministry is a hope ministry. It is centered on bringing God's hope to patients and their caregivers, their family, and their friends. How many of you today um, either are battling cancer yourself and or have a loved one who is? Anyone here? Yes. Yeah. According to the American Cancer Society, one in three adults in the United States will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. And that number doesn't take into consideration their family and friends who are impacted by their diagnosis. Our heart is to serve, comfort, and encourage people going through cancer with practical support and spiritual care. We have a trained team of men and women who are here that can partner with you through your, your journey with cancer. And this morning, we will be commissioning them into the cancer care ministry. Amen. Well, as these leaders step up um, and be a part of really sharing hope with our church, one of the things that I love to do as a church family is to really give them our support and blessing. So I'd like to ask them to come right here, and I would just ask you to help join us in praying over them. I know our cancer care ministry has a few other leaders they are going to come up here as well this morning. And so um, if you guys will come here, and church, will you just raise your hands just to signify as we're blessing them and sending them out as they just to be, seek to be vessels of hope. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these that have stepped up and for their willingness to serve you, God, to be vessels of sharing your hope and your life with others. Lord, we pray that, God, you would send them out in power. God, as they seek to reach and, and give hope to those, uh, God, who are struggling, may, Lord, you use them in a mighty way. God, just as your word says, may they bring comfort uh, to those that are hurting, Lord, with the comfort that they themselves have been given through you, Jesus. God, we thank you so much for them. I pray that you would send them out in power in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give them a round of applause? I'm so excited for the ministries that are going to be taking place. And I just want to end this morning. Jesus has given us an invitation to be reminded that we don't have to carry our brokenness, our sin, our hurt, our shame any longer. We can lay it down at his feet. And I want you to know this morning that you may be feeling hopeless and helpless, 
but know that God has enough grace to give you hope in your situation and your circumstances. So this morning, as we have a time of invitation, I invite you to come forward. Maybe this morning, right here, right here in this, this stage, this altar, would be a symbol of you laying down those burdens in your life. Maybe just right where you're at, you just want to kneel to God and just say, God, I just need you to give me hope in this circumstance. Maybe it's prayer you need. Maybe it's to join this church family, to have those who would walk alongside you in your journey towards hope. Maybe it's for the first time to surrender over to him and to accept him as Lord. Wherever God is leading, you come this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you so much. And God, we just thank you so much for the opportunity, God, to um, come before you and know that we can have hope because of your son, Jesus. God, thank you that you have given us the invitation, God, to lay our burdens down at your feet. Lord, I pray that as we have that time of invitation this morning, that we would do so. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship. You come this morning as God leads. You come. said you'd work it out for good, and I knew you could, oh, I knew you could. Didn't look the way I thought it would, but I know you're good, oh, I know you're good. Oh, I believe. 